0: Hey, we have, uh, hey guys, you, you made it. I, I don't know about you, but, uh, uh, so for all of my sermons, I date them, right? I timestamp them. And so I literally wrote in like one 7 20, about four days ago. It was my first time putting 2024 in. And I don't know about you, but it's always weird for me when I step from one year, cause I've like totally acclimated myself to it. 2023 just makes sense, right? I know what to expect around it. I know what the feel of it is. I'm not coming to a whole new, year, whole new year. And I'm like, what's gonna happen, right? So I don't know if you feel like that way at all, but that's kind of what I felt like stepping into 2024. But I will say that stepping in, this whole piece of coming into the new year also excited me on a couple different levels of recognizing, man, there's such opportunity and possibility. This past week, I got invited to a dinner in downtown Atlanta uh, right before the Passion Conference. Anybody go to the Passion Conference or watch the Passion Conference? There you go. Watch the Passion Conference. 50,000 college-age students all coming together at the mercedes Ben Stadium, and more than that because there were adults involved who were leading all kind of stuff, so maybe around sixty thousand people or fifty five thousand people who were engaged in this event, and I would encourage you to go back and watch online man. There was one night specifically man where the spirit of God just fell, who. There's something about the spirit of God moving on His people, right? Especially on college students. My girls call; they're both down there with some of their friends, and they're like, "Like the spirit of God is here, right? You're like, Amen, praise God, right?" And it was just really, really cool just to hear these stories, right? And recognizing one, I'm looking at the year, going, "God, what do you have for these students? What do you have for my girls?" Right, I'm excited about the opportunity, right? The dinner we went to was the night before Passion started. It was a bunch of people who were there, and people that you may know, and people who were there part leading part of the conference. But it was really cool because they sat down. And and I know if you were there at Passion, you heard them talk about this. They began talking about illuminations. If you know about illuminations about 12, 13 years ago. All of these business guys who were getting asked for money from all these different um uh, Bible translators said, y'all are all doing the same thing. Can we unite you, right? So it was beautiful, these business guys, kingdom-minded guys said, can we take all these Bible translators and kind of just put them under one roof doing the same thing so you're going after to the same thing and our money is going towards these pieces? And so about 12 years ago, they did that. And as we sat down and started talking about illuminations and what's going on in Bible translation, we began to hear that by 2033, 99% of every, every 99% of the world in every language will have their Bible, their, a Bible in their native tongue. Right? And begin to talk about the reality that, listen, that's less than 10 years. Quick math there, guys, right? 2033, 20, 2024, 20, nine years, right? Within our generation. That's one of the things that video showed was the fact that they had this video about it and said in every generation, there's something that that generation gets to experience that nobody else gets to experience. It was one generation that experienced the crossing of the Red Sea, another that experienced the, the crucifixion of Jesus, right? And the resurrection of Jesus, it was One generation that experienced the Bible being translated into English, another into Spanish, and on down the line. It was like every generation has something that their generation alone gets to experience for the first time. And in nine years, we'll be the generation that gets to experience the Bible being translated into all languages. I don't know about you, that fires me up. Right? That excites me. And I tell you that story because there's something about living our life and having our eyes open to the things that God is doing that I find so powerful and I find so life-giving. I don't know about you, but it is very easy for me to get stuck in the monotony of my everyday life and honestly, if I'm honest, miss what God is doing in the moment and missing the dreams that he has for the future. And so as we come into this moment, I believe, like for me, beginning of a new year is always an exciting time. Because it's a moment when it's like I, I literally am leaving something behind. I'm literally turning a page. And for me, historically, it's always been a time when I can sit back and and look back and remember. Right? I can stop and I can say, all right, God, what what have you been doing? Where have you been moving? God, where maybe have I even missed you? And I need to learn from that because I believe that you're moving today and God is an awakening for me. There's a whole year laying in front of me that you have plans and purposes for. God, I, I want to be aware of your movement. So if anything happens today in the midst of this message you may or may not like and that's okay, my hope is that you are simply awakened to an understanding God has has been moving, he is moving, and he will continue to move. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a person, and I would prefer if we were a people who were all going after those things and being awakened to the dreams of God, the desires of God, and the heart of God for what he has today and for tomorrow. Thank you. Say amen to this, guys. So in this, a time, this is our time to be a people who look back. Right? i encourage you to look back, see what the year held for you, what lies behind you. It's time to look towards the upcoming year. God, what are you doing and all the possibilities that lie ahead of us? An idea that I want to encourage you to to grab hold of. It was just a phrase this year. I felt like God gave me this in prayer. You can put it on the screen for me real quick. It's simply this: remember. Here's a phrase I want you to engage: remember and learn from yesterday. We're going to talk about remembering and learning from yesterday. The second part is focus on today. Right? Our goal is here. God, what are you doing today? And then believe for tomorrow, like by faith. I don't mean just believing for tomorrow in my own strength. I mean believe by faith and God's movement, God's desire. So the things that you're longing to see happen, you're believing for them. You're praying for them. You believe with great hope that God is more invested into the things you're passionate about seeing than even you are. And so this idea saying, God, I want to I want to remember and learn from yesterday, God. I, I want to focus on today and I want to believe for tomorrow. When we talk about yesterday, the nature of our past is that it is a, we are supposed to learn from it, right? We are supposed to learn from it, supposed to inform our steps forward into our future. And the idea of learning from our past, honestly, is we, we learn consciously and subconsciously. Can I, are there any husbands in the house? Yeah, yeah. So if I went to a room and said, hey... Name ten things, ten things that you did that your wife did not like and you changed, can you name them? They'd go, absolutely, right? Because we all know as husbands, if we do something, listen, my wife, listen, if you're around Randall, Randall hates sarcastic picking on her, right? Like to be the butt of a joke is not Randall's favorite thing. So when she's in a good mood, I definitely do it, right? But when she's in a bad mood, I definitely don't, right? I've learned over the years that's not the best thing to do for our marriage, right? I should only encourage her and tell her, how great she is all the time, right? It's only once in a blue moon. I've invested a lot into our relationship. I can pick on her, make the butt of a joke, right? It's super fun to do that. And as I said, just kidding, I'm kidding, I love her and hug on her, right? But there are also these like, these like unconscious decisions that we make and we learn from. When I was four or five, six years old, like every other family in the late seventies and early eighties, we had a station wagon, right? With wood paneling on the side, right? And so we were going on vacation. I think we were going to the lake together or something. I can't remember. And we we're going to take the station wagon because it's super cool to ride in a station wagon, guys. And so my dad says, Hey, <clears throat> the spare tires in the back of the station wagon. We need to get it out. And like four or five, six years, let I me mean, imagine how small I was, right? I said, I've got it. And my dad says, no, no, it's way too, I like, I've got it, Dad, trust me. Let me pick up the table. He's like, okay, <laughs> right? Good learning moment for uh, for his son, right? And so I reached in there and I grabbed the tire, you know, grab- I grabbed the tire and I started to pull. And I, and I- and listen, I'm making headway. I get it all the way out, right? Get all the way here. But as soon as it... Reaches the point where gravity hits it and begins to pull it. You know what happened, right? It like, ugh, felt like this. I leaned into it. It popped up and hit me in the face, right? It was a great moment, right? And my mom laughed. I got mad, started crying. There you go for a four-, five-, six-year-old, right? But here's the point. I didn't sit there and tell myself consciously moving forward, oh my gosh, every single time that you pick up a tire, you need to learn from this, right? It was an unconscious thing. Till to this day, whenever I reach in to get a spare tire or pick it up from anywhere, my instinctual unconscious mind reminds me of that four or five-year-old picking up that tire. And I say, brace yourself. It's going to be heavier than you think, right? It's just the nature of how we learn consciously and unconsciously. The idea of our past is that it teaches us. I learn from my past, and it affects my future. Press pause. Oh, what I'm getting at, and this is real simple, I'm going to dive into it, but I just want you to hear real simply. Things happened in 2023. Good things. You need to learn from those to duplicate them. There were bad things that happened. There were bad decisions that you made. There were, there were places where you stepped into wrong moments and wrong places and you need to look at those and learn from them in 2023. Why? So you can make a decision to move into wisdom and not do those things again. Remembering and learning, it is the essence of wisdom. I apologize, this definition is on the screen, but I'll break it down for you. Wisdom, wisdom, the strength of an action the strength of an action that we undertake in regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Wisdom. It's an action I undertake. And when I take, undertake that action, I take into account, right, my personal experience of life. And the things that I've learned, the knowledge that I've embraced from it, and the birthing of good judgment that 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 experience has created. I don't go make Randall the butt of my joke, right? I've learned from my experience and now I have real knowledge because she let me know to have better judgment in how I relate. To her, I don't just go pick up a tire now from my experience now with the knowledge of it pummeling me in the face, right? I know it's heavy. I need to be careful and aware of it. Learning, looking back and remembering and learning raises up wisdom, and that's where maturity occurs. I don't know about you, but the desire I have for my children is that, by God, please grow up and mature, I want it for myself, too, because what's what my dad is saying. I just want you to grow up and mature, Steve, right? Yes, Dad, right? That's all of us. This place of maturing and growing, remembering and learning and growing in wisdom. It's wisdom that needs to define this time of year for us, honestly, every day for us. We look back and learn. We, we recognize our wins, right? Like, you need to be able to know how you won, in 2023 also so you can duplicate what you were doing to get there right we'll talk about that in a bit but i want you to begin to think through these things recognizing wins and losses and learning and remembering and learning from both of those and then i would just say this not fretting over this and not fretting over the things you just don't you can't control anymore you made a bad decision You've learned from it. Don't continue to fret over something that happened a while ago that you've repented for. Ask forgiveness, right, and move forward with Jesus. You can't fret over the things you don't have control over anymore. Focus on today and choose to move forward. Why? Because God has a plan and a purpose for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. To paint this picture from Scripture, I want to look at a unique moment in, in the history of Israel as expressed by the, the prophet Isaiah. In 586 B.C., Babylon which, Babylon, which was the world power at the time, destroyed the nation of Judah, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, and destroyed the temple the people would worship in, that their life would revolve around, and they carried the exiles, who so they carried the Jewish people into exile. Some got away, and there's whole stories about them, but most of them went into exile in Babylon. They, in this one moment, this one season, they lost their freedom, they lost their home, they lost the center of their life, everything they understood on a daily basis in the destruction of the temple, they had this horrible moment. And Isaiah, in fact, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all these guys, prophets writing in to this woman, one moment, this these seventy years in exile and Babylon. And the thing we want to look at as we read Isaiah forty-one and forty-two and forty-three and is going to kind of pull verses from each is that this is supposed to be, and you'll look at it at a moment for the for the people of God to wake up and to look back and to remember, and then to learn. They're in captivity, and God wants to awaken them so they will never return back to captivity ever again. Look at Isaiah's words, succinctly describing their situation in chapter 42, verse 24. It says this, Who handed Jacob, or Jacob represents Israel, who handed Jacob slash Israel over to become loot, and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow his ways for generations, right? They did not obey his law. This is just a succinct expression of what caused them to go into captivity. Generation after generation of people not listening to and obeying God and walking in sin. Again, it's a dark moment And I think we would all say it's a moment that they needed to learn from. That's the idea. They need to learn from this moment. It's like we all need to learn from our moments. It was their moment of looking back and learning. God raised up a prophet, raised up Isaiah to to speak to them with the hopes of helping them wake up from their slumber and to see and to remember the things that they did to look back and to learn. And looking back, Israel need to recognize their sin. They need to see their, their lives have been defined by, not by listening and obeying God, but not listening and disobeying. Remember, they sinned against God. They, they in their sin, chose to break relationship with him. Like you understand that everything, every sin that I commit, right, against God or everything that I do against a person that I love, right, is a moment that breaking for them, right? It's a moment of breaking that relationship. If I take Graham Cossack right here, and we're best friends, and all of a sudden I do something horrible to him, like he's not going to go, that's okay, man, right? No, it breaks our relationship. Everything we do against someone is the nature of breaking a relationship. That's the nature of sin. You do something, an action, an activity that you give yourself to in disobedience, something opposed to God, and in choosing to do so, you're choosing to pull back from relationship with God. That's the nature of sin. God doesn't pull back. We pull back. He doesn't sin against us. We sin against him. It hurts relationship. We build the wall. Every sin is a building up a wall saying, I don't really want to be near you. I don't really want to hear you. I don't want to listen to you. I want to do what I want to do. That's the nature of sin. That's what's happening here. God reached the breaking point saying, enough is enough. I can't let you, I can't let you keep on building up the wall between us. I'm going to allow this moment of discipline to happen to wake you up so that you remember and that you will learn. That's the nature of this. Looking back to learn. They sinned against God. They worshipped idols. They turned their back on Him. Israel, Isaiah describes the past, what they need to see, right? So he describes their past and says, this is what you need to see. This is what you need to learn. 42, 19 through 20, it says this. He says, hear, you deaf. Right? Hear. Hear, you deaf. Look, you blind, and see who is blind but my servant. Talk about the nation of Israel here. Who is blind but my servant? Who is deaf like the messenger I send? They are literally supposed to be a light to the Gentiles that live around them, right? That's what he sent them to do, to go be a light to the Gentiles that live around them. Who is deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord? Not talking about Jesus. There are three servants in Isaiah, just so you know when you read through. You have to figure out by context. You have Israel, the people of God. You have Jesus that we read this morning in chapter uh, 42, 43. And then you have Cyrus. Cyrus in 44 and 45, who actually was used by God to set them free, right? So there's three servants, but here it's specifically talking about the people of Israel. Hear you deaf, hear you blind you blind and see. Who is blind but my servant deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me? Blind like the servant of the Lord. You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not Listen. As servants of the Lord, they had just put up a wall and said, I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm not going to look for you. I'm not going to listen. Like God was still speaking. God was still moving. That's the beautiful thing we're going to see. But they just were choosing to go blah, 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 and not listen, not hear, and not see. The steps God calls them to when they're looking back, right? This idea of like looking back and remembering. The pieces that he gives, and you saw them, they were pretty clear, they're simple. Verse 18 and verse 23, it says, hear you deaf, right? Hear you deaf, look, look and see blind, listen and pay close attention, right? So the pieces, you can put these four things on the screen for me as God calls, the steps God calls them to are super practical and simple. He's like, look, the idea, like look at the situation, Look at the situation, look where you've been, look what's going on. Like, you have to, look, you have to look. I don't know about you, but I don't like looking at car wrecks, right? And he basically is saying, you wrecked your car, you've got to look at it and see why. Look back and and be honest. I add the honest part because we have to do that. I could literally look at something and put blame on somebody else. I don't know if you ever do that or ever know anybody who does that. Something, Somebody blows something up and they blame everybody else but themselves, right? They never look in the mirror. Everything is like looking through a glass to see everybody else. Maturity is always looking in a mirror going, let me start with my broken places. Let me start with myself. It's a leadership principle. When something goes wrong, I always look in the mirror first. So look at the situation to be honest. Second, pay close attention. I put to every detail. I want you to see everything. Like when I look, I want to see everything. God, what were the steps that I took? What were the things that I was doing? God, what got me to this place? And how did I gear? I need to see every detail. God, show me everything. The third piece is listen and then hear what God is saying. Listen, I've got – listen, I, I, I never do this, but the three ladies in my life definitely do this. They'll be on their phones, and I'm talking to them going uh, – they'll go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're listening. They know I'm talking to them, but they're not hearing a single word that I'm saying, right? I never do that. Just kidding, right? No, there's – all the time I'm like, I have to stop and say, hey, are you actually hearing me? Wait, wait, what'd you say, Dad, <laughs> right? It's that whole moment. The idea is like I listen. That's what he's saying. Look, like, Guys, you have to listen you have to look up you have to tune your ear in and then hear what God is saying and then once God has spoken the next part is do what they did not do for generations obey obey one of the phrases that we've gotten to in foster care was super simple simply listen and obey right with our own children listen And obey, but no, just listen and obey. It's real simple. I want you to listen to me, I want you to hear me, and then I want you to obey the things that I'm saying, because this is going to go best for you and for us. Trust me, right? There's this idea, once we listen, once we hear, once we know, then we obey. Practically speaking, no one can learn from their past unless they slow down, look at it, and learn from it. As we come out of 2023, it should be a season and a moment, if you haven't already, where I just stop and I, I I look at the situation, I pay close attention to everything going on, I listen to what God is saying, and then I move forward from it. If not, if we don't learn from it, we will be prone to make the same mistakes all over again. Or, and this is important too, If what you experienced was something positive in your past, unless you slow down to look at it and to understand it, you will not realize what you did that caused you to succeed, and then you can never -duplicate, never duplicate it again. The idea is if you do something goes well in your life, you can look and say, in this season of life, there was such breakthrough. In this season of life, there was such, such spiritual life for me. God, I want to look at that season. I want to, to look at it. I want to be honest about it. I want to, to pay close attention to every detail of my life and what I gave myself to and what I focused on. I want to listen to you, God, and hear what you were saying in that moment, and then I want to do it again. Right? I want to do it again. If I bake, listen, if I sit down and bake a cake, and it's the best cake I've ever had in my entire life, if I don't sit down and remember the ingredients and how I did it, then it will never happen again. It's as simple as that. All right. So in our looking back and remembering, I love the promise of God. I believe it's clear to us. The promise of what it looked like for the Israelites when they were looking back, the promise to us when we look back. The idea of what it looks like for us in our past. I want you to see this from Isaiah 42, 16. In our moment of looking back, in our moment of remembering, he says this, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. I will lead them along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things that I will do. And I love this. He says, I will not Forsake them. Like look at the language here in this moment. Like what I love in this is in the midst of of the looking back and the learning, God is coming in this moment and saying, I want you to hear me say I will guide you. Even when you have your eyes closed, I will lead you. I will not forsake you. I will not turn to you. In the midst of everything that you've done, even me taking you into exile, I am with you. And the idea for us when we look back and learn in the moment of like, maybe it's difficult to look back, or maybe it's positive, but in both of them, God's saying, I am with you. I am speaking. So what that does for me is this. When I step into listening and learning, I step in with confidence, knowing it's not my responsibility to make sure I understand everything. No, it's my responsibility to say, God, I am here and available. Open my ears to hear you. It's his responsibility to speak. I simply have to put myself in that posture knowing he has not turned away from me. He has not looked away. He is with me and he is speaking. Guys, take time to pause. Please take time to look back. Remember and learn in the season. It's imperative for our growth, imperative for our success. We need to stop and listen and do it with confidence knowing I am not alone doing it, but he is with me. Another piece that fills us with confidence and fills me with confidence in looking back is this. And kind of in the same vein of these verses that our foundation today in Jesus then is always secure. We know scripture tells us, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Instead, I will send my helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to lead you and to teach you and to guide you into all things, right? In our moment, our foundation with Jesus is secure. No matter everything going on, the first thing I have to do is look down and see my feet are standing on the rock of jesus that's the first place it's the first thing we fight for it's the first thing god in the middle of everything going on and all hell breaking loose god help me see the foundation of jesus god i am sorry but i need to see jesus that's the first place for us the great struggle for many of us is when we look back i don't know about you but many as we look back we feel shame right we feel shame we feel this tension and the guilt of the decisions that we made, but I, I think about Israel here. For Israel, looking back is difficult because again, they see generations of brokenness, generations of sin. They see their disobedience. But I love this and I want you to hear this. Before diving into their sin in chapter 41 and 42, in verses 8 and 10 of 41, God does something and speaks a word of them through, through Isaiah that I call like the sandwich complex, where it's like the, the, the sandwich, uh, like a leadership thing that's like the sandwich piece, where I say, I'm going to give you some good stuff on the front end, because I want you to know how much I love you, before I tell you how bad you did, and at the very end, I'm going to tell you again how great you are, right? This is this whole orion mentality of leading people. I'm going to give you the good on the front end, just I want you to know, everything's okay with us. I love you. You're, I'm for you. I'm not against you. But man, you blew it. Right? right but i still love you right that's what we see here in verses 8 through 10 Isaiah God speaking to Isaiah chapter 41 says this but you israel my servant jacob whom i have chosen you descendants of abraham who's my friend i took you from the ends of the earth from its farthest corners i called you i said you are my servant i have chosen you have not rejected you so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you see what he does? Before he starts diving into the gravity, into the weight of their sin, he speaks truth and says, I don't want you to fear, right? I will strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to pour out my love and affection on you. Again, in the middle of looking back, the thing I'm always praying, Jesus, awaken in me an understanding of your love for me. Because I can't make it unless you do. When I remember, when I look back, so easy to lose and to leave behind the understanding and the fullness of god's love even when i say it you're like man i've heard this a million times but i would say as i step into the new year i want to know it afresh and anew because i don't know about you but if i'm going to make it tomorrow i need to know the love of jesus and his not forsaking me today i give myself to it nothing is more beautifully overwhelming in life, than knowing I am unconditionally loved by someone and unconditionally loved by God, come hell or high water. And the same is true for you. Listen, in full of like personal confession, in my own relationship with Jesus, I have, I have always felt that the hardest thing for me to do is to believe that God loves me and is for me when I disobey him. Right? like it's really hard for me to feel confident to believe that God loves me and is for me when I sin. Primarily I feel this way because this is important. I feel about this this way primarily because I don't feel that way when someone sins against and sins against me. And so it's hard for me to believe that God feels that way because I know that I don't. And then I press pause and I realize, "Oh, then I've created God in my image. Isn't that the great danger? I've created God in my image where I feel like I think that God feels like I do and thinks like I do in these moments, but it's just not true right god's people sinned against him here he disciplined them but he never left them he never stopped pursuing them he never stopped loving them he never stopped guiding them even in their deafness and blindness right it's powerful I go, god this is this news is too good for me what a wretched man i am who can save me from this life of sin you can god this is such good news Right? That's the beauty of it. The same is true for us. The same is true for you. I write people off. God pursues people. I write people off. Listen, I write me off, and God pursues me. And so in this, again, listen, it'd be super easy right now to go, I heard this one before, is this in a different language. I don't know about you, but the most important messages I need to be telling myself every single day. I need to be engaging them so as if they're fresh and new. We need to engage this to succeed today. And I say, I say succeed not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of the kingdom, kingdom success, loving God and loving neighbor. This is where God's called us. Lastly, again, we're to live for today, but then we are to look forward and believe for tomorrow and believe for tomorrow isaiah forty two sixteen through nineteen this is really really familiar to you. I'm going to read it and then we'll kind of dive into it as we end near nearing the end. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path of the mighty waters. Who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. This is the historical story of the Exodus, of Moses leading out the people from Egypt and them having their freedom, right? They were in captivity like they are here in Babylon, and then God miraculously came in, ripped them out, and then saved them and destroyed their enemy behind them, praise God, right? This is their experience. Experience and then he says, This forget the former things, stop dwelling on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, and I'm making streams in the wasteland. Here in this message, there are two different types of former things to forget, both negative and both positive, right? The negative is clear. They have sinned. The people of God who were in Egypt had sinned against God's while they were in captivity, right? But here and there, it wasn't to define them. They need to learn from it, not repeat and start walking in obedience i don't know about you but god does not want their past and their past sin they want them to learn from it to never forget it in the context of a teaching moment but to never be defined by it we are never to be defined by our sin no matter how big or small you think it may be our sin and our disobedience is never supposed to be the primary thing we look at in relationship with god Right, He has set us free, and those who are free are fully free indeed, so walk in your new life in Christ. Right, We're not defined by our past, the negative of our past. But the part of it here that's super interesting... In the context of the verses, is really what he's saying is that don't want you to live in the past around the good things that happened. The passing to the Red Sea arguably is the most important story in all of Old Testament history. It's the story that they're hoping to see replicated in their own captivity. They're probably sitting there saying, God, just as you released them from the Egyptians, God, would you release us here? God, we're just focused on you setting us free from the Babylonians and sitting here in captivity. Captivity, God, right? And he's looking at him saying, that's a great story, but you're missing me even by looking at the positive. Because what I want you to hear me say is Jeremiah 29, which is in captivity. I want you to plant your roots. Jeremiah 29, right? 1 through 10. Seek the prosperity of the city in which you live. For if you prosper, then it shall prosper. Do you see the new thing that he's doing in Jeremiah saying, listen, you're so focused like this on get me out, get me out, get me out. You don't realize I brought you among the Gentiles to be a light to them so that you can lead them to me by the way that you live. So give your sons and daughters in marriage, give yourself to business here and succeed. It's crazy, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can so live in the winds from my past that I don't have any winds today. I live in the stories of God's movement yesterday and think that's enough, not realizing He's moving today and has dreams of movement in the future. We live so in the moment of God's goodness in our past that we kind of just like, well, to kind of rest on it and say, "We're good." Not recognizing he's moving today. Forget the former things, as great as they may be, and see the new thing that I'm doing today and I'm doing tomorrow. Do you not perceive it? I'm speaking it to you. That's the heartbeat of God for us. I want to reveal myself to you today. I want to begin to give you dreams for tomorrow. And it's great what happened yesterday. I've said a hundred times the greatest detriment to the revival of tomorrow are the revivalists of yesterday. Because they think it has to look a certain way and not realize things. See, I'm doing a new thing. Open your eyes and celebrate it. Remember and learn from yesterday. Focus on the task at hand, the life of today. But by God's grace, in faith, Believe for tomorrow. On January 21st, we are going to start a 21-day as a prayer and fasting at Vintage. It's January 21st and 21 days. Right? I gave you the first three weeks to kind of like get behind you all of your failed uh, resolutions and stuff. You're welcome. And on January 21st, we want you to take some time and just in the season of this 21 days to, to really fast and begin to pray and to begin to go after what God has in this moment. So listen, remember and learn from yesterday. Engage wisdom, right? See what you've done and you need to stop doing and start doing again, right? In the 21 days of prayer and of fasting, the idea of fasting is this really, really simple, the heartbeat of it is I want to show that I have a, there's nothing, my only sustenance is life, is not food, it's just Jesus. And so I relinquish food for a season for the purpose of saying God you sustain. Remember when Jesus was asked, when you get something to eat, Jesus, it's been a long time since you've eaten. And he says, I have food that you do not know about. And it sustained me. I don't need to go eat anything, right? There was something about the presence of Jesus. what no, that's what fasting does. Fasting never twists the arm of God to get him to do something for us. It simply shapes us from flesh into spirit. That's what fasting is all about. And so we're gonna I'm gonna send you out some resources. You get to do your own homework. We'll talk about it in the upcoming weeks. Whether you want to do a literal just food fast and all you drink is water and juice, or you're gonna do a Daniel fast where you take out meat and just focus on clean vegetables, or maybe you want to take something that's really priority in your life. Think about taking all of media out of your life for 21 days and devoting that time to Jesus and to prayer, right? See what it looks like and see how your life changes. We've done fast before eventually they've been amazing for for breakthrough in our own spiritual lives and the idea is that you individually fast and as you individually fast people next to you then individually you begin to be shaped into god and all of a sudden you realize we've all been shaped into jesus's presence right shaped into who he is so 21 days of prayer and fasting starting on january 1st why because god we want to leave the things here We want to see you move today. We want to be shaped into your presence where our eyes are open to see, our ears are open to hear God, and we want to go after the things you have for us today and to believe for you for the future because we believe, God, you want your kingdom to come on earth as you've already spoken in heaven. I will do everything that I can to put myself in a right posture to receive your movement and then handle it accordingly. So, that's the invitation I want to invite you the next couple of weeks to remember to learn just remember and learn let rest in the beauty of God's favor and delight in you he has not forsaken you learn from your negative things learn from your positives just rest and go oh, just live at peace with God I live at peace with him he's so good and God have your way in me Right, and we invite the worship team to come forward just in a time of ministry this morning. Father, we just take a deep breath this morning and as we breathe in, we just breathe in the understanding that you are for us and not against us and we breathe out just the lies of the enemy that say you're not loved. We breathe out the lies that say you're you just live a rejected life. God, you've never left us nor forsaken us. I well, thank you, Jesus, that you're a God who teaches and leads and guides and directs us. Even when our eyes are closed, Scripture told us in Isaiah that you were still leading them in path, leading us in paths unknown. And so, Father, we just simply say this morning as we come into this place, this season of remembering and looking back, remembering and learning, God, I, I do, I, I just agree with you and say, God, open up our eyes to see you open up our ears to hear you. We need you, Jesus. Amen.